0: Canuck Central in the Kintex studio. If you missed the opening hour of this Friday program, Yannick Hansen and Frank Saravalli, both of their takes on what the Canucks could do in free agency. Also off the top of the first hour, Sat gave you some intel on what he's hearing the Canucks are up to and what they are planning for signing season when the NHL's free agent window opens at 9 a.m. Pacific tomorrow morning, Saturday, July 1st. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Yes, it's another mailbag. We did one yesterday on the draft. And we're doing another one today on free agency. It's that time of year, man. So you get the nice music two days in a row. Mm, love it.
1: All right. We will start with this one. Austin in Langley. What number will Cal Foot wear for the Canucks? <laughs> will Adam put him on the first unit power play? Ah, yes. Uh, I-, I can see. I mean, what
2: number would he wear? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Sure, give him fifty-two. Let's just say fifty-two. Yeah. Uh, I I I I think it's more likely you see him on the PK than the power play. Mm-hmm. If the Canucks would sign him, uh, he uh, does PK a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and there's just been a lot of rumors of Cal Foot to Vancouver. Going all the way to the trade deadline when the Tampa Bay Lightning were interested in Luke Shen. Obviously, he ended up in Toronto and not Tampa Bay. So, it's long been something that has uh, percolated. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of interesting restricted free agents that uh, are available now uh, during NHL signing season. And have joined the rest of the unrestricted free agent market because they were non-qualified. So... Calfoot's one of those names. There's some other ones that have surfaced as well, and I just wonder, um, you know, on on some of the names, like there's a few names that are out there that were on the 2018 World Junior team, and we're still waiting to see what exactly comes of that investigation. Gary Bettman has alluded to, you know, waiting to hear mm-hmm. exactly what was found and what they will do. He said that he expects it sometime to come in the summer. So names like Sam Steele, Michael McLeod, Cal Foot, all of those players that were on that 2018 World Junior Team, I think there's still some question marks about their involvement in that situation.
1: All right, next one comes from uh, Kieran. Given the org drafting based on hockey smarts, what does that tell you about players you think they're going to target tomorrow in free agency?
2: Ah, two-way intelligence. And that's what we mentioned. That you know, If you want to just help yourself in your pursuit of trying to figure out which players the Canucks might be chasing, mm-hmm. look at their usage. Yeah. Right? And you can also look at some charts that give you some values, but sometimes that can be dependent. There's a lot of noise there as well. But just in terms of their usage also doesn't always tell you whether they're good at it or not. But usually players that get used in a lot of different situations are players' coaches' trust. So I don't think they want players who are one-dimensional. And I think they want players who, especially for defense, that are smart defensively. Yeah. I think that's why you hear a guy like Ian Cole mentioned, who is renowned for his defensive work, PK work, intelligence on the back end and how he plays to go with like his ability and, and, and size. Susie's known as a smart player. I wouldn't know like in terms of how much he's going to excel. But then you look at, for instance, even the, the centers that they've been linked to. Teddy Bluger. Yeah, and you look at, for instance, even a winger like Barbashev. Very yes. smart, two-way winger, knows how to forecheck. check, knows how to play the game, knows how to PK. So, yeah, I think the types of players they want, not just intelligence, but being able to give you multiple dimensions with their contributions.
0: It's, uh, it's pretty obvious what they're looking for. And given their salary cap situation and what is out there and available in this free agent market, not a ton at the high end. Are you going to be able to find any sort of like are you are, are you going to be able to find any sort of needle mover for your the top end of your roster? Basically it's Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe Matt Duchesne, but you know, I don't think the Canucks are playing in the mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne market. No, no,
2: I, I, so I'd say it's Ryan O'Reilly, JT Comfer. Yeah. You look at the types of impact players remaining, it's like essentially Tyler Bertuzzi. Yes. Tyler Bertuzzi. And he would fit the mold of the players that they kind of like in terms of can do multiple things. Is physical, has speed, gets in on the forecheck, can score. you
0: know, that type of a player. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be in on a Vlad Tarasenko type. So, you know, there's just not a ton of available options to upgrade at the high end of your roster. Mm -hmm. So what are the Canucks looking for? They're looking for guys that can help their PK and play roles for them. And help them win around the edges a little bit more because they've just lost so many games mm-hmm. around the edges these last two years with the penalty kill souring and, you know, poor, like, poor defensive mistakes and big moments of games, losing a lot of one goal games, those types of things. You know, they need to get better in those areas as well as at the high end. And I would say,
2: though, yes, like, don't put out the possibility that. All of a sudden, they add a winger somewhere. I've been mm-hmm. saying this for a while. Like I know it's harder now with some of the guys gone, but there are multiple areas of impact players they need, in multiple areas they need them.
1: Next one from Ron. Was Ethan Bear's future contract insured at all? Does Hockey Canada cover any of it? So, and also, second question uh, that we can get to after. Is Alvin all in this year, or do they look for one-year contracts that could potentially be flipped at the deadline?
2: Okay. Um, so Ethan Baer, um, so it was insured, his contract. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long the insurance carries for, because sometimes it goes for a full year, sometimes it goes for six months. You know, you know, I can't tell you exactly, but I do know he does have a level of insurance. He's expected to be back and playing in the National Hockey League sometime in November, and the insurance covers up, covers up lost wages up until his qualifying offer. Usually, those, that's how those things work. It's the, hey, what's the contract you can get at the bare minimum? It's a qualifying offer, so whatever lost wages we, we give you up until that point. So even if he signs a contract under 2000000 million, he'd be getting that extra money from insurance to make up for what he's lost, potentially, depending on how your insurance kind of works here. So I think, in terms of monetary-wise, mm-hmm. he's okay and, and insured, but when he gets that contract, if he doesn't sign soon to Vancouver, is anybody's guess. Because I'm not. If I had to guess here, Dan, I don't think any other team jumps on the opportunity to give him a contract when he's when he's at least four or five months away from being fully healed. It's uh, it's a tough
0: one. I mean, there was question marks of whether or not he would get the QO before he got the injury because the of the arbitration rights yes. too. Yeah. So it wasn't a slam dunk even before, but. It was still somewhat likely, given the Canucks' investment in the player and the lack of options on the right side. Anyways, so now you're just looking at a player that's really in a tough spot, and I'd be, I'd be somewhat surprised if you know he and the Canucks don't come to some kind of an agreement here. We know Elliot Friedman has mentioned that maybe they're still working on something, trying to figure it out and how it all looks. But there's no way he gets over two million dollars now, and it put the canucks in a tough spot given their cap situation their need for right-shot defensemen and then not having one like signing one that is not available until november maybe december of the first uh, uh the first couple of months of the year you're not going to have that player it's a real tough spot for the team so uh, it's really bad situation for everyone involved
1: And the second part of that, is Alvin all in this year, or do they look for one-year contracts that could potentially be flipped at the deadline?
0: I'd like to believe Alvin at his word that they don't want to overspend in free agency. But if Ryan O'Reilly does fall into their lap, then that might be the one contract I'd be somewhat okay with them extending on a little bit. Mm. At least he's a great player. I'm a big Ryan O'Reilly fan. You know? I've always been a big Ryan O'Reilly I'd fan. I'd
2: rather Ryan O'Reilly than JT Confer. JT Comfer is 28.
1: Can't have two JTs on the team, though. It gets
2: confusing. It yeah. gets confusing. No, I'd say that JT Comfer can play center, has played center. He was effective playing center as a two-way guy. He has more pace, and he's younger. So I don't hate it in terms of going with a younger player, but ROR, Ryan O'Reilly, or I'm not going to say ROR. Yes, you ruined it, Dan. You said it to Frank and got him all flustered and confused. I know. So no, we can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. Got to go full names. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly. So O'Reilly. No more uh, nicknames on Canucks Central from now on. <laughs> but is O'Reilly signing a contract in Vancouver for under four years? Is he? I mean, is somebody? I mean, I guess it depends on the market. Is I would say no.
0: Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, if Ryan O'Reilly, ha- let's say. What is the Canucks' differentiating factor to Ryan O'Reilly if he's got numerous offers on the table? Money and term, right? Yeah. It's just money, total money. If, and if you want to keep the AAV down, you got to spread out the term. Let's just say the Leafs and Canucks are offering the same contract. Be realistic about it. The Leafs are closer to winning a Stanley Cup than the Vancouver Canucks are at this very moment. Mm-hmm. And O'Reilly has said, you know, he enjoyed his time in Toronto and wouldn't mind sticking around if the if, if everything worked. So you yeah, would have more, yeah. to go a little bit more just like they did with guys like Jay Beagle and all those extra years. They were given to guys at the lower ends of lineups In free agency. You tend to have to give another year of term to give that player more total money on the contract in order to get them signed.
2: The only wild card here is because the market is kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. What is Toronto looking at offering him? Probably not five times, four or three. Probably yeah. under five. Probably looking at a real team-friendly rate, which Vancouver would beat anyways. Yes. The only way you can get him at a number that's right around five or slightly less, and it's three years, is if the market for him is just not that hot. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you have a chance to get the term down. Otherwise, you're probably looking at a four-year deal, taking this guy into his you know mid to late 30s.
0: It's just I find it hard to see because even St. Louis. Well, maybe now that they've got Kevin Hayes, they won't play in the in the Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, discussion, as was being speculated. They can't. They don't have any money. Yeah, a little bit a while ago. They're broke
2: boys now. They they use all their cap space.
0: Of all the uh, contenders, you know, how how many can really go that extra mile with Ryan O'Reilly? And maybe the Boston Bruins play in that area now that they've opened up a little bit of cap space and don't have any centers currently really under contract other than Charlie Coyle.
1: Yeah, Duchesne, O'Reilly, would that make sense? Yeah. Next one comes from Arpan. Uh, another one with two. Do you think the Canucks will be able to trade Myers? That's one. And the second one, what is the percentage chance the Canucks get? It says ROR, but I'll say Ryan O'Reilly. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, low percentage chance on Ryan O'Reilly as we just— uh, Low percentage? Okay, give a percentage. Uh, I'd say—well, what's a low percentage? 12%.
2: Really? Okay, I would go higher than that. I, I'd put it at 30%. Oh wow. Cuz I think they I mean listen, like I, I we mentioned this before too. We spoke we spoke about it. We yeah. know uh, Elliot mentioned it as well. Like I think They're motivated. there's there's something there. Like yeah. I don't think it's just like a, you know passing interest. So I put it at 30 still unlikely. So I put it there on that. What was the other part?
1: Uh do you think they will be able right. to trade Myers?
2: Clearly Frank Sarvalli thinks so. Yeah, I mean yeah, I think they didn't ask for a timeline, did they? I think they will trade Tyler Myers. I'm not sure on the timeline, yeah. but I do think like Myers is going to get traded at some point before his contract runs out with Vancouver. Like, I think that's going to happen.
0: So Frank mentioned with us, and he mentioned it on his his own show, that uh, the Canucks and San Jose Sharks have had a deal on the table for Tyler Myers for as long as three weeks now. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, he can't figure it out. It hasn't been completed. Now, just to sort of go through the checklist of why something like that wouldn't be completed, well, maybe the Canucks want to have some sort of clarity on what they're going to do. Instead of Tyler Myers, if they make that trade. Yeah. And then start to wonder what is San Jose's motivation for something like this. And it's simply, we're probably just buying a draft pick, Mm -hmm. right? They're taking Myers on now with the intention of flipping him at some point during the season to a team that's in a playoff race as a rental defenseman. And you're getting at least a third-round pick. You're getting at least a third-round pick. So, yes. Yes. Myers is tradable, whether it's with the Vancouver Canucks later on in the season or another team. I still find it unlikely for the Canucks to trade him before the season starts. Yeah,
2: we'll we'll see with that. I think once the bonus is paid, though, it changes everything. And his bonus gets paid before the season begins. And it could be something in training camp as well, right? So... I'm I'm careful on this one. I'm Myers very gets careful. Stealth on to San
0: Jose on September 16th, <laughs> or like even before. I mean,
2: I, so here, here okay. So not a lot makes sense. I know people are wondering like what what would San Jose, what is the upside for? Yes. You mentioned they can flip the contract if they get the player at some point.
0: Buying a draft pick is rebuilding
2: teams sometimes do. But it's still like, are you buying a second or a third for six million? Mm-hmm. Seems pretty rich, doesn't it? Yeah. And so it's, it comes to okay, how much you value him as a player? But you're probably taking something back. If you take even Radim Shimic back, who's making 2.25, but now all of a sudden they're paying 3.75 million for Tyler Myers. What is the cost of a second round pick? Yeah. Three to four million. Yeah. So then if you flip Myers at the deadline, you essentially bought yourself a second round draft pick. Yeah. That could be the upside for it, but I'd be hard pressed to believe that Vancouver's moving Myers without taking anything back today. Yeah. And even that deal, as much as it helps Vancouver today, they're getting a player back they have to pay and they're not, they're punting on an asset. Yes. So I think. And I'm, I'm not reporting this. I'm just saying based on what uh, Frank. Frank said, if that's the deal on the table, mm-hmm. can you understand why Vancouver's is not taking it? If you're being patient and saying, hey, maybe we turn this into an asset later and nothing really stands out to us, that so we have to move him today, unless you feel like you can get ROR, you can get SUSE, you can get Cole and all this, maybe then you need that extra 3, $3.75 million in cap space and are willing to sacrifice a future asset for it.
1: Next one, coverage hockey. Do you think Boston would be interested in a Connor Garland if they can't sign Tyler Bertuzzi?
2: They liked Garland, Boston, right? Asking Boston. They were in on Garland and OEL.
0: He is a uh, Boston area guy, Connor Garland is. Yeah. You know, they do get a lot out of players throughout their lineup. But the thing about Boston is, and this is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to move Garland. Other teams will prioritize other things yes. before they say, okay, Connor Garland's an option. Like,
2: Garland might be option C for a lot of teams. Yeah, or like D even. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's the reality. And, and Garland is still getting paid too much for a team like Boston. Mm-hmm. Like, Boston would have to—you have to take something back from Boston for them to— because, like, if—I don't know what Bertuzzi's looking at. But I don't know if they're gonna go jump to Garland at three times five if they haven't given Bertuzzi what he wants. Yeah. So that you know what I mean. So if if they haven't given Bertuzzi what he wants, why would they give Garland three you know five million on the cap, but actually seventeen million in cash over three yeah. years? You're taking something back, whether that's Grizzly, whether that's board, and honestly, I take board. Yeah. Like, you can play on your third <laughs> pair, good on the PK, has size, one year contract. Instead of giving term to somebody else, yeah. you just
0: take on forward for a year.
2: But that almost sounds too good to be true as well, because why mm-hmm. would they trade a guy who's good PK or can play in your top four when need be, but a third pair defenseman with size to take on 17 million in money? So okay. it's
0: yeah, yeah, a guy they basically played over Grizzly in the playoffs, too.
2: Yeah, maybe for Grizzly, but is not what Vancouver needs. But yeah. would you do it just to get off rid of the money? Maybe I would, but yeah. I can see them being interested. Let's just put it that way.
0: Um,. This is sort of the problem with Garland, you know, still making too much money and still with the the extra years of term. Like a team, uh, Chicago's come up a bunch on our on our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox six fifty six fifty, and you know they're they're paying all these vets four million bucks a year, like Corey Perry and, and Nick Foligno, and it's just. Yeah, they're trying to get to the floor, mm-hmm. and they just want to do it for a year. Yeah, exactly one <laughs> you know? year. They they don't want any long term money on their books if they can avoid it. And yeah. look at their cap friendly page; they've got very few contracts that extend beyond this upcoming season. Never mind two, three, four years down the road. Yeah. So they just they are um, not likely to take on a contract like Connor Garland. Even
1: Taylor Hall, two two years, right? Yeah, just two years left. D I M. How likely is a return of Chris Tannen?
2: Uh, not very likely, mm-hmm. very unlikely. What would Vancouver have to give up to get Chris Tanev, who Calgary can trade at the deadline for first-round pick and a prospect? Righty defenseman on the trade market, a good righty defenseman defensively yeah. with the pedigree he has and reputation he has, you're getting a first into something. So Assuming
1: he isn't injured by then. Yes, which if, is if a good If Tanev
2: is healthy
0: yeah. at the deadline, he's getting a pretty good haul for Calgary.
2: Yes. Uh, now, they, that's what I think Calgary's setting the baseline for, a first-round pick and something. I don't yeah. think anybody wants to pay that today for Chris Tanev, and that's why I think it's gone quiet on a lot of these guys. The price is pretty high for it. What else can you do to make it work for them? And don't say Connor Garland. I don't think that's interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Why would they do that? Like, The Canucks can't give away Connor Garland, so they're going to give you a guy they can get a first-round pick for the deadline for Connor Garland. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It would have to be prospects, maybe future pick or something. And why mm-hmm. would you give that to a expiring righty defenseman in his 30s? I just don't see the fit, guys.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's not necessarily there for Chris Tanev. Uh, certainly, Quinn Hughes could use Chris Tanev back as a partner. But as a trade partner,
2: Calgary doesn't really seem to work. Oh, like, would they, I mean, would they do it for Besser, for instance? Would they want that? Maybe that makes Vancouver think. But yeah. that's, again, assuming Calgary would want to do something
1: like that. Kyle. Kyle. With all the buyouts and unqualified RFAs, are there any new players on the market that you think are ideal for the Canucks?
0: I'd look at Morgan Geeky. Uh, soon to be 25-year-old later on in July. Decent as a 6-3 center, scored 28 points last year, which is sort of third-line mm-hmm. center level production. And penalty kill for about 50-ish minutes uh, last year with Seattle. Now, Seattle was one of the worst penalty kills in the league, right? uh, just above the Vancouver Canucks. So Morgan's still got some work to do as a penalty killer through his career, but it just screams to me like a guy that's starting to find his role in the NHL and understanding... Okay, if I'm going to make a career out of this thing, third line center is probably what I project as best. And I've really got to work towards being that guy. And Mm -hmm. I think that's that's kind of one that, you know, maybe you can work with and end up finding somewhat of a, you know, short to middle term solution at your third line center
2: position. My only question with him is some of the pace stuff. But you're right. Like he's a he's a guy who is intriguing. I I, mean, I look at Michael McLeod, mm-hmm. and again, you mentioned it on a, on a previous question. This is assuming everything's all clear and you know everything yeah. is fine. Then he's a player who has size, 6'2". He's only 25 years old. He's great on the PK, great in the first face-off circle. He's fast. He's physical on the forecheck. He's good defensively. Has never played elevated minutes, though. Always kind of been fourth-line minutes, borderline third-line minutes. But if you're looking to make a projection stylistically, and if you can get a little bit more offense out of him... That's the guy I keep looking at. I'm like, man, that's like, that's kind of a young player you want to take a bet on if you can. Uh,
0: so there's a couple righty of... Righty center, too. Yeah, righty centers, those two coming on the market tomorrow. That makes it interesting. And, and this is
2: the most mind-blowing thing. His face-off numbers, even strength, I mean, overall, yeah. 60%. Yeah. 60% of face-offs he won, right? And he took a sizable portion. It's not like he did it on, like, 400 face-offs. Like, he took over 900 face-offs. And his face-off percentage, is, this is something we've been mentioning recently on the PK, and we say how hard it is to win on the PK, because the power play chooses which side they want to take the PK, uh, the draw at, which usually is the, the strength of your best uh, draw man, the best centerman that can win draws, so it gives you such a big advantage. Even with that advantage, going to the power play, he won 57% of his face-offs on the PK this year. Yeah. That's, that's pretty extraordinary.
0: Uh, so he's a good uh, he's a good shout. I think uh, Jared Anderson Dolan is uh, a player, at least with
2: some speed that I find kind of interesting. Oh man, I love Jared Anderson Dolan in the in the draft. He's yeah. got some tenacity, great character, kid. He's a guy I would totally sign as well. Uh, not so, a center though, truly. yeah. Not Whoever not winger. really
0: a center. Yeah. Um, and also Christian Fisher, not, again not a center, but yeah. a right winger, right shot that uh, penalty kills quite a bit. Has some previous experience with Rick Tockett. So there's some there's some super interesting names that could be on the Canucks radar that di- did not get qualified.
1: Next one from Jazzy. What year do you guys think Miller will need to be bought out? <laughs>
0: Oh, is this a leading question
2: or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of the consternation about uh, JT Miller today because tomorrow his no-trade yeah. clause kicks in. and T-minus
0: like, uh, less than 24 hours now.
2: And you know, and here I was, minding my own business. It's been so quiet around JT Miller, and then all of a sudden today there's this like manufactured angst over him. But sure, we'll, we'll answer the question. I don't think you can buy him out until the final two years of his contract. Yeah. So until 2028, 2029. Otherwise, you, you have like a $5 million cap it for a couple of years. The way the contract is structured, realistically, and I hope it doesn't get to this. I really Mm -hmm. hope it doesn't get to this. I'm just answering a mailbag question, okay? This is ridiculous, by the way. (laughs) Honestly, what are we doing here? But nonetheless, I'd say 2028 at the earliest, maybe the last year of his contract, that's really what it is. got to wait at least five years.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm optimistic JT Miller is going to be pretty solid for the Vancouver Canucks for, for a while yet. So I'll leave it at that.
1: Okay, we'll end with this one. JL, what's your evaluation on the Huronic trade now that we have the full return?
2: Oh, it's, it's a good question. I, uh,
0: so I was not very hot on the Huronic trade when it was made.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, they jumped the gun.
0: Yeah, they jumped the gun. Didn't love the timing of it. Uh, felt you could wait, see what happens with the right shot D market, and find some solutions. Mm-hmm later i'm not necessarily going back on that take but i will say i would have loved to see the canucks have a chance at both tom willander and oliver moore i would have two fantastic. of my favorite players when going through the draft research process
2: totally right and i and i and i completely understand it and i'm all for it as well um the thing i would say is is
0: now Oliver Moore didn't get drafted 17th overall. It was Axel Sandin Pelica, but, you still but had the Moore Moore too. was on the, you know, Moore was uh, still available. on the board at 17
2: when uh, Detroit picked. It was available there for yeah. you, right? Um, so I get that aspect of it. In terms of what the Canucks paid, I think a first and a second and getting the fourth back was a completely fair price, given mm-hmm. what the price we see for defensemen and what other teams paid for other guys who I wouldn't say are as good as him either. Yeah. So I think the connection paid market a fair market value. They didn't overpay for Philip Peronick. And the fact that it ended up being the seventeenth overall pick and not an open pick for next year. Yeah. Is I think what really saves it. Because if the pick had been deferred to next season mm-hmm. because, you know, the uh, the yeah, Islanders had some see. like lottery luck or something yes. and like all of a sudden they're picking high, that was the only way I think for this trade to be an abject disaster in terms of overpaying value wise. And thankfully, it didn't, didn't come to that. Yeah,
0: Islanders ended up making the playoffs. Uh, Canucks still could have had a chance of two really nice prospects, uh, given the way the draft ended up playing out. But, you know, th- the other part of it is the reminder of just how scarce mm-hmm. the right shot D market is, especially at the high end. Yeah, And, you know, when you see how things have played out, how little there is available, how if the Canucks or if the Red Wings go into the summer and open up a bigger market for Philip Peronick, how much more interest would there be in him? And then all of a sudden, it's not as easy a move for the Canucks to make. So there's a lot of factors that have changed a little bit of the way that I think, but I'd still prefer that the Canucks have uh, not made the trade in that moment. Uh, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Where are
2: you going to get the righty defenseman for? Okay, end it. End it. Fine. I know. you got to end it on a negative. <laughs> and it's like, where do you find righties? Don't draft them. Yeah. Don't trade for them. Hold on to your picks. Hoard your picks. Yes. Anyways, let's just go. Okay.
0: <laughs> now I've upset Sat. <laughs> you are listening to Canucks Central, and uh, there will be a special edition of canucks central tomorrow as nhl signing season coverage on sports at 650 is brought to you by kintec footwear and orthotics kintec is canada's favorite orthotic and footwear provider foot pain kintec can help find out more at kintec.net you are listening to canuck central